Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Tuesday, April 20th. John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. Hello, John. Hello, Cliff. Um, our guest today is Amanda Turkle, who, gosh, I'm going to say- I can't freaking believe we haven't had on before. I, I know. We were sort of beating ourselves the other day going, did we ask Amanda? We didn't ask Amanda. Um, Amanda is the Washington Bureau Chief at Huffington Post. Uh, previously, and a lot of you probably know this, she was the Deputy Research Director at the Center for American Progress, and more famously, the Managing Editor of Think Progress. Um, she graduated of Colgate University. You can find her online on Twitter at A Turkle, T E R K E L. Uh, Amanda, welcome. Um, welcome. Thank you. It's good. That we've known each other now. I was mm-hmm. just thinking, you know, what, 15 years. 15? That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember doing a, a panel with you at like at what used to be daily, yearly coasts. I think oh, it was yeah. like in yeah. Chicago or something, Amanda, me and you, and was it Foz maybe? And it was like, so yeah. yeah, sorry, it, it, it's been long enough. I haven't talked to him. I can't even yeah. pronounce his name anymore. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it had to be 2006, seven, eight. I don't even know. And but by the way, this time. is, we're talking about Fez Shakir, who was Bernie Sanders campaign manager for the election uh, just this yes. last time. Another famous Think Progress alum, uh, Judd Legum, uh, another one. I mean, you know, we go me. Oh, Nico, oh, my God. I forgot about Nico. Yeah. Nico's amazing, who now is a top guy at now this. So many good things coming out of things. It was a good talent incubator, let's say. Definitely. It was it was a nice run. The site is now gone. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. We're all but sad about it was, that. It was yeah. yeah. No, it was it was a great time. I mean, you know, as you guys know, those blog those early blogging years were so much fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, just so much innovation and experimentation, just really great stuff. It was, you know, I, I look back on that time so fondly. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody. I know I speak for Cliff and me in saying that we are so glad that Bill, sorry? Definitely me. Definitely Cliff, that we are so glad that Bill Press is still out there on the left, stronger than ever. Right now, he's using his progressive voice in the Bill Press Pod, his new podcast. The Bill Press Pod is up twice a week, an in-depth interview with a major newsmaker on Tuesday, plus his lively end of the, lively, I tell you, end of the week roundtable with three of Washington's top political reporters digging deep on the latest craziness from the GOP, the massive voter suppression bills in the states, and the Democrats' fight to keep control of Congress in 2022. So I encourage you to join me in subscribing to the Bill Press Pod. It's a must listen for all progressives. To sign up, just go to wherever you go for podcasts, search for the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and then tell your friends to do the same. Take it from us. We follow the Bill Press Pod, and so should you. And now back to our show. You know, it's interesting, though, because Think Progress shows sort of a, a topic we often talk about, which is unfortunately, it is. Actually, my friend Ari, you know Ari Ravenhoft, I'm sure. Ari had said this to me a long mm-hmm. time ago. Something about, you know, nonprofits aren't supposed to make money. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, no. He goes, I always think of media. He sort of thinks of media as one of those things where maybe it's not supposed to make money. Like like that it just actually, isn't. A, it's, actually, right? John, don't get me going off on, on all mm-hmm. my tangents. But, I mean, that was the, the its original purpose, right? Like you got the – when you were, when you got the, the space um, on the spectrum – to, to have your ABC or NBC, you had to agree to a public good. They gave you the license right, for free right. and you provided news. And back then it wasn't something where it was like, what are the ratings? What are the ratings? That is a way that our society has gone backwards and has harmed us immensely. 
It just it's kind of made I me mean, think of think of think progress as being one of those perfect examples of amazing web traffic. My God, I mean millions of of, of viewers on that website. Yet it was um it was costly. Oh, and I yeah, guess I, it think was, it was, I mean, I, I mean I think it was crazy. Obviously, that cap shut it down. Um, but you know. I, I now am in the <laughs> corporate media world. You know, we yep. were owned, I'm at HuffPost, we were independent, then we were bought by AOL, uh, right. which merged, I think, then with Yahoo, or maybe Verizon. Or Verizon, media. maybe, or what was yeah. the, yeah. We were, Aren't you guys, isn't BuzzFeed part of the universe now, too? I'm yes, all mixed up. now BuzzFeed bought us, and I will, you know, the Verizon media years were, it was, a, it was not a good fit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, a, a telephone company uh, running yeah. in, you know, news, it, it, it didn't really work. So now we're with yeah. BuzzFeed, which obviously does do news. And so, you know, we'll, right. we'll see how this goes. Right. Well, you know, I'm glad you've survived through all of that and you've stayed there. Uh, yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, because one of the, I was telling uh, Amanda before the show, one of the sort of experiences that sticks out in my mind whenever I think of her was uh, the time she was being stalked by Jesse Waters. Who is that? Speaking lunatic. of media and the way our media has gone awry. Yes, and he, Jesse Waters is that lunatic on Fox News, um, just kind of right wing nut, uh, Trumpier than thou in terms of uh, for Fo even for Fox, he's super Trumpy. And he replaced Bill O'Reilly, so he's like an evil clone, except for they haven't caught him right. sexually harassing numerous people. Right. Yet. So what? I mean, how did that come right. about, Amanda? What happened? Yeah, that was so that was 2009. And so that was long, you know, before Trump stuff. And Jesse Waters was just some, you know, Bill O'Reilly minion, like he was the guy who went out and ambushed people for Bill O'Reilly. And so um, that was I was um, on vacation in uh, Virginia, a couple hours outside of DC with my boyfriend, who is now my husband. And, you know, we just like bed and breakfast for the weekend, small little town. Um, and we come we check in and we come out. And I see this Fox News camera running across the street and it was Jesse Waters and the cameraman and they didn't introduce themselves. They're just like, um, why, you know, why are you attacking rape victims? Why do you hate rape victims? What were you doing? What, what, like, what was the basis here? Was it Can you, you criticize O'Reilly? Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah. And so I written a very, very small post. You know, it was like an aggregation of, of news hounds, if you remember that site. And um yeah, it was at Bill O'Reilly. I, I, he was speaking at a benefit for rape victims um, and rape survivors. And I just pointed out that in the past, he has basically blamed women for the rape by pointing out that they were drunk, what they were wearing, you know, really right. standard stuff. Um, and I guess O'Reilly didn't like this. And, you know, I was early 20s. I was just like a nobody blogger. And he sent his, this guy who basically we figured out he just found my they found my home address. They followed us. They didn't know I was going to be going so far. Um, right. And then, you know, I, I didn't tell anyone where I was going that weekend. So there was no way he could have known. So they just followed me wow. out there and then ambushed me. And so, you know, Bill O'Reilly had done this to other people, but most of them didn't have a platform like Think Progress. And most of them weren't willing, didn't realize who they were dealing with, but, but we did. So um, Monday morning, we went up with a post. Um, I wrote about what happened. And, you know, so we were able to get out there and sort of control the narrative before he went on air. Right. that night. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was a big thing. And I think, you know, it was the first time what O'Reilly did. Uh, he got some blowback for it a little bit more than usual. You know, I was a target. I was not like, you know, I was a, a, a young single woman, sort of a right. nobody person and he went after me and it just it yeah. didn't look great for him, but you know, obviously he stuck around. Jesse Waters stuck around. Um, he did his anti-Asian 
super racist Chinatown I remember uh, that. segment. Yeah. Yeah. And so, oh, so he's around, Fox, but O'Reilly get away with the air. Yeah. <laughs> well, you outlived O'Reilly. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, metaphorically speaking, in terms of work, but yeah. Wow. So what can you tell me really quick? Cause I was telling Cliff, you see, um, you're the bureau chief at HuffPo. You, Huff, I always called it HuffPo. And I remember Ariana never liked that. And then I think you guys actually adopted, <laughs> didn't you adopt it at one point finally. Cause I know she used to hate that. No, no, we never did. That was HuffPost. Okay. HuffPost. <laughs> Very different than HuffPo. Um, I, but, know. I really don't care anyway. <laughs> I don't, I don't either. I mean, what do you do on a weekly basis? Cause I was noticing you write maybe two stories a week or so. What does a bureau chief actually do? Yeah, so I, I, that's uh, if if I can write that much, you know, it's mostly organizing our political coverage, um, you know, making sure that reporters are covering what they need to cover, helping them with their stories, um, you know, coordinating with the other parts of the site, just to make sure basically we have the news we need, we have the angles we want, we're getting, right. you know, we're tracking down the scoops um, that we need to, and then I'm editing pieces um, when reporters turn and copy, and then obviously. I like to write <laughs> and report yeah, if right. I get the time, but you know, it's, it's, um, I don't get as much time as I can right now. I'm working on a piece that'll hopefully be out maybe next week, the week after, um, talking to, uh, veterans who served in Afghanistan about their thoughts on, uh, withdrawal, um, right. nope. you know, the legacy of the war and, you know, it, these, these conversations have been pretty emotional and we're hoping to do some nice photos right. around these folks who, you know, I, increasingly don't have as many chances to share their stories um you know we've 20 years that's a long time yeah, and you know longest uh, war we've uh, ever fought <laughs> yeah and so you know it's it's been fascinating talking to you know these folks have really complicated thoughts about sort of the legacy and what happened there has, has your job changed cliff i don't mean to ask one more question but has have things changed much in the newsroom from trump to biden or is it still kind of the, just the same work uh, well, our, you know, we don't have to start responding to tweets like late at night, early in the morning and on weekends. <laughs> you, know, the, you can I'm sleep again. Right. Fair enough. You know, the, pace is, the pace is just more normal. Um, I'm not saying the work isn't busy, but it's, it's a little bit normal, more normal, more hmm. predictable. Um, you know, we're dealing with, you know, every reporter a news outlet always complains about their access to the White House and what the White House isn't putting out there. Um, you, you know, it's a little bit different, obviously, with Trump. It, it's, it's less hostile. It's, but, you know, the Biden administration is professional, so it's more controlled. They know what information they want to get out there. They're just certainly right. not giving you everything you want. <laughs> but it's not just it's eight more... different people saying what's ever on their mind that day. <laughs> Right, anymore. exactly. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and all these sort of grifters, you know, giving you others, you know, Biden isn't just like asking some man on the street about, um, you know, what he should do with like the VA or something. So right. it's, it's a little bit more predictable. You know, I, I do sense among amongst audiences, a little bit of fatigue for news, for a news out of Washington and political news, which is understandable. You know, people were and are still very interested in the January 6th riot and the right. fallout from it and the arrest and who, you know, which is what's happening around that. Um, people still read a lot of news about Trump. When we publish a story about mm. Trump, people still read it. Um, but, you know, there, there is a bit of fatigue, I think, for political news. Mm. Do you buy that? Let's, I'm sorry, Cliff, jump in. I've got so many questions for her. Sorry, go on, Cliff. Do you want everything? Well, no, I mean, I was going to agree on that and just say, I bet. I can't even imagine the hangover he must have all had after. Well, that's, I guess, what I was wondering. And- yeah. 
yes. We, the, the hangover we as journalists have had or just like the public? Well, just, I mean, my God, I mean, four years of, of, of as you said, just responding to tweets, working weekends, never knowing what crazy, pardon me, whatever shit is going to come out of his mouth next. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's no stability to that, you yep. know, and, and no. you can't plan around that. <laughs> Right. And now you actually. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, Biden's just, you know, he is, you know, he is a Washington politician. And he's very traditional. He came into office wanting to restore stability. And, you know, I'd argue that he has, um, I guess, you know, the, that's not to say that it's perfect. You know, think challenges, you know, we have wanted him to release, you know, he's been pressured for more information about, you know, what's going on at the border, for example. You know, I think they really bungled the refugee announcement last week on Friday. You know, what what was that all about? Saying that it was right. one thing and then, you know, taking a while to announce something and then putting out this policy saying that they were going to stick with the Trump levels and then walking it back after a lot of criticism. You know, that was, but it was right. sort of uncharacteristically messed up compared yeah. to sort of what they've been doing, which is very smooth. But, you know, like Jen Psaki, for example, the press briefings are not, you know, first of all, they're holding them again. Um, and they're not as crazy as they used to be. But also at the same time, she knows what she's doing. And her job is to not give you <laughs> all the information. Right, right. To, to give you what she wants to give you. That they you know, want yeah. to give you. <laughs> so you have to figure out how to work around that. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot going on with Congress. Still, you know, campaigns will be starting up. And, you know, that Trump movement is still out there. Um, and it's still, you know, it's still causing the same trouble it was before. Right. Can yeah. I ask you a well, it's not, I mean, it's the same thing, right? I mean, it, it's, they're the ones who are now determining who gets nominated in Senate races. And we're seeing some of that. I'm in Ohio, so we're seeing it here. It's insane. But Oh, yeah, you have that, that Senate race going on. <laughs> I mean, each one it announces is crazier than the one before. So, I mean, it's. And they're all, know. they're all, right. And they're all trying to do that. And then you see uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, yeah. in the House, who has, you know, just raised an astronomical sum of money. Um, I think it was more than all the House impeachment managers combined. And, right. you know, she, right. is, she, she is, you know, we saw this, like, early in the Tea Party. People are like, ah, oh, the Tea Party, you know, they're just, like, off to the side. But the GOP never fully, um, you know, they pushed them aside. Right. Right. They didn't repudiate them. And now the same thing is happening. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's like, oh, it's just her and Lauren Bieber. But, you know, it's not. It, they will. Right. And Madison Cawthorn, you know, they are going to become more normal. In the I was going to say, though, one thing I'm sad about is I really was looking forward to the all three of us together attending the Anglo-Saxon caucus meetings. I thought that would be a lot of fun. Oh, my goodness. That I was, figured that the three happen. of us would get in. We're like, what do you get when you have a gay Greek, a Jew, and a, uh, a an Asian, Asian woman, American. Walk, yeah. Asian American woman walk into a uh, Anglo-Saxon caucus meeting? They probably wouldn't have appreciated us, but we would have gone. <laughs> I'm having, I'm I, having I mean, fun. even even they knew that that was like. They were like, oh, wow, we shouldn't have put that. Let's, uh, they even repudiated that, which <laughs> is actually quite shocking. I That's your beauty of perfect yeah. point. She made a perfect point that I just want to say hmm. you're, what you yeah. said is important there, Amanda, because because how they repudiated it, how they pushed it aside was exactly, as you said, what they did with the Tea Party and what they've done with so much of Trump and the racism. They will not criticize the individuals. What they'll just do, what Kevin McCarthy did is he puts out some silly statement, you know, and puts it up on Twitter. I'm sure he put it out wherever else, too, where it just says, we are not a party of dog whistling nativism. We're the party of Lincoln. And it's like, you know, um, you've got people openly <laughs> carrying Confederate flags. You really aren't. So it's just this this really sort of anodyne bullshit 
kind of response to claim that they aren't something they're not instead of saying what Marjorie Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn and the rest were doing is reprehensible. They need to apologize. They need to, you know what I mean? Like it's still the same damn thing, the enabling. Oh, Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, let me ask you a minute really quick. Um, Newsbusters, which is this, you know, sort of far right activist site, whatever, quoted something, but I'm curious for you as a as a bureau chief to explain. I wrote about this the other day too, but but you're you have to do this for a living. During his first three months in office, they said, the broadcast evening newscasts, okay, what great English there too, showered Joe Biden with 59% positive news. Four years ago, those same programs were hammering Trump with 89% negative press. Would you call that fair, unbiased reporting? What do you do as a journalist in a situation where one guy sucks and one guy is normal? I mean, because I mean, you were going to, in a probably a more objective way, say what I'm just saying, which is you, you have different people, right? I mean, what do you do, though? If one character is so bad that you're always reporting negative, do you end up feeling like you've got to sort of balance that somehow? Or what do you do? Uh, no, no. I mean, you know, we're not going to just because we write, you know, if Trump says some, said something racist, we won't say, you know, now we have to write a nice story about Trump because we just criticize, you know, if he's just saying racist thing after racist thing after racist right. thing, thing, like that's what that's the story. We're going to write about it. Um, you know, I think we are always checking to make sure, you know, are, you know, is, is, are, you know, are we making sure to cover all aspects? Like, you know, are, are there more things behind the curtain that Biden is doing, you know, that's not on the up and up that's bad? And are we making sure to cover right. those? And, you know, with Trump, are there things that Trump is doing that are good? You know, there were a couple policies uh, that he did that were good. Maybe they weren't for the right reasons, but, and maybe they were for cynical political reasons, but like, you know, there were a couple things, um, you know, my husband works for the federal government. He never had uh, like, uh, like parental leave or family leave. And, and now he does. <laughs> and that, that was actually because under Trump. Um, and it's actually shocking that no other president did that until him. Um, yeah. But, you know, so, you know, you want to make sure, and, and, and I disagree that Biden gets all good coverage. You know, on COVID, much of Trump's negative coverage at the end was on COVID. I mean, Trump did nothing on COVID. <laughs> right. um, and Biden, you know, things are going better under Biden. That's, I, right. I don't, I think it would, I don't know how anyone could argue otherwise. It's not saying that Biden's doing everything perfectly, but COVID is getting better under Biden. Um, right. You know, I think Biden has been hammered pretty hard about the border situation. Um, and what's going on down there. Um, I think he received, you know, a fair amount of negative coverage on Friday because of the refugee um, announcement. And so, you know, I disagree that Biden, you know, newsbusters or whatever, basically being like Biden is getting only good coverage. You you know, you just like Trump, I mean, everyone will admit that like Trump was not like any other president. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm sure, you know, Newsbusters audience liked a lot of what Trump did and don't understand why the media didn't give it better coverage. But I think to most people out there, most of what Trump did was right. was pretty awful. And I think we also have to be honest, John, about who Newsbusters is. You yes. must have been on the receiving end. I think anytime I went on TV, they, they would try to, to hit me for something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're just white resentment. You know, I mean, they play that game, right? They're just looking for ways to say that media is mean and Hollywood's mean to us and so I don't take anything they say seriously. I think, you know, I, I would love to ask you, I didn't plan to do this, Amanda, but you brought up the border and I'm not trying to put you on, on the spot, but obviously I don't feel like we have a hundred percent understanding of everything that's going on. I think we need more information, 
But a lot of this, to me, seems like there was a surge based on folks not coming as much because of COVID, right? A surge, uh, uh, some of it's seasonal. I mean, do we really think that they're handling the situation badly? Or is it, you know, I, I really wonder if that's more, I, I, well, why don't I just kick it to you? How about that? Sure, sure, sure. So, I, you know, I think a lot of it has been a bit, has a, a lot of it has been a bit skewed, you know, not understanding, folks not understanding that, you know, the numbers were ticking up under Trump. Um, you know, this did not start as soon as, you know, Biden took office. Um, you know, experts I talked to think it's just ridic- ridiculous of, uh, you know, somehow Biden is more, is a nicer guy. And so that is what is spurring people to come to the, come to the United States. You know, they think that like, sure, that may have a small effect, but it's certainly right. not what is driving this number. They say, like you said, it's seasonal. Um, you know, there was, they think this sort of backlog of folks. And now because the numbers went down for a while, what you're seeing is this pent up demand. It's not necessarily a surge. Um, and, you know, so, the, and, you know, you have these natural disasters and it's just, you know, at the end of the day, the economic, you know, the political, the cultural, the social situations in these countries are still so desperate. And that's what's driving right. people here, regardless of who is in office or, you know, what the president is saying. Um, I think, you know, where the Biden administration says that there is absolutely nothing they could have done better to prepare um, I, I've talked to some immigration advocates, even some who, you know, who are allies of Biden's who say, well, <laughs> we think maybe they could have tried some things more and just like, they, they think that, you know, the Biden administration did not realize this would become perhaps as political of an issue as it did. Um, you know, how difficult and how long it would take to move people from the CBP facilities into HHS shelters and then, you know, with sponsors. Um, they think the Biden administration didn't understand the magnitude of that problem. You know, I talked to the Biden administration. They said, that's not true. We did all we could. You know, the Trump administration wasn't cooperating with us during the transition. So, like, what else could we have done? Um, you know, now the GOP, the, the GOP sees this as a potent political issue. They're blaming Kamala Harris for it all, even though, you know, what she's working on is not like the border issue. It's diplomatic right. Um, negotiations with the Northern Triangle countries. So, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of it has been blown out of proportion, but like clearly the Biden administration is nervous about this. That's why you saw that bad refugee announcement um, where they were going to keep the levels at Trump, you know, where Trump had put them. You know, the, the refugee situation and the border crisis are not the same. <laughs> they have nothing to do with each other. But the fact that Biden clearly got so nervous about the political implications and the way it would look, you know, that gave the GOP an opening of saying, look, Biden's nervous about this. We should keep going on it. Explain what you mean by they're different, the border crisis and the refugee situation. You know, the refugee situation, um, you know, allowing people to apply for refugee status, people who have been, you know, um, you know, genocide and things like that in their countries and these bigger forces, applying legally (laughs) for refugee spots, this is something that has received bipartisan support. I saw a quote by Rob Portman a little while ago being like, absolutely, we should allow more refugees coming into this country. You know, the people who want to be refugees come from all over the world. This is not, you know, the, the undocumented immigrants coming in at the border you know, it's just not the same situation right. as right. allowing people to come through the refugee channels. Right. Um, and so, you know, the fact that it's a legal, um, it's think, literally a legal process that refugees are following. It's not like 
Again, yeah. we don't like to use the word legal and illegal, but it's not like you literally cross the border illegally. You're you're here. That is the legal process. You come in if you have a, a reasonable belief, or I forget what the exact term is, of persecution, you can get refugee status. That's exactly. And that's, you know, are. that yeah. is, again, that's a way that, you know, Democrats and Republicans <laughs> have said they want people to come in. So there was really no excuse for Biden not to stick with the Trump levels yeah. um, because, you know, the Trump administration obviously put them there for anti-immigrant reasons. Um, the, the Biden administration tried to say that the office wasn't like up to functioning, but no one was buying it. You know, Biden's allies on the Hill, his uh, allies in the refugee community, immigration groups, everyone said, you know, no, there's no reason for you not yeah. to do this. And they backtracked and they said they're going to raise, increase it, which, which indicated that, you know, they did, the initial announcement was for purely political reasons. Right. And I, I'm just shocked that they didn't see the backlash coming. Me, me too. John, ask what we need to ask <laughs> losing Amanda in five minutes. Oh, yeah. I don't, I mean, well, I don't, did you have anything, I mean, do you have anything specific? Because I sort of had a more journalistic ethics question for her. Go with that then. Okay. I have, um, I have often felt when people get upset at journalists and say, oh, you wrote that tweet and it shows you're biased. I actually don't like it when journalists sort of go nuts on Twitter, for example. But my response to that is, isn't it better to know a journalist's bias than to not know it? Meaning, you're either you have we all have biases in ourselves. Just because you write a tweet or something where you kind of showed a little bit of bias, all that means is that you exposed your bias. It doesn't mean you suddenly became biased. Is there an argument that maybe it would be better if we knew journalists' biases <laughs> rather than oh no, because the cardinal rule is keep it to yourself, Amanda. Don't let anybody know your biases. Don't let anybody know how you vote. How does that help us if we don't know how you vote? Shouldn't we know how you vote? Yeah, maybe I could see that. Although you I don't know, know I think, advocate here, but yeah, I, I could see that. I, I I feel like you know there's a difference in you know biases in terms of maybe who you vote for versus you know do you support what the police are doing to black people, you know, or do you support uh, justice for sexual harassment victims? Um, you know, I, I can I can see an argument of not <laughs> revealing who you vote for just because you know if you can't tell from the person's coverage who they're voting for and who they favor, like they might be doing a pretty good job about it, um, you know, or what that could lead to is journalists just not voting, which some journalists already do. I find that a little bit ridiculous. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of people always want to find out who journalists vote for. And yeah. I, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm not sure on that. I, I'll say well, Ted, I'm not Koppel, in, in favor of yeah. that as much, but I do used, agree. Go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, go on, go on. Oh, no, I do agree with you that, like, every every journalist has a bias, and to pretend you don't. We is... all do. Even, yeah. even what and you I said think... about about uh, uh, the different issues you raised, you know, I wouldn't say it's a bias, but you've got positions on well, the issues all... you cover. Right, but we, we, we try to do our best to look at facts and look at and, – and not be right. objective in the both sides right. way, which is awful, but right. to be objective in what is the truth. And right. I think all of us will still be a little biased here and there. It's inevitable. But I think if you, as a professional, you can do your best. Uh, we can be right. critical as we have been of almost any Democrat on this program and admit where they fail and where they – and still say, you know, it's nothing close to Donald Trump where – we saw a coup, close to Fox example, News or try talking right. media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, the, the problem with people being so on alert for bias is that, hmm. um, you know, women and people of color are usually the ones who are assumed 
to have a bias. And we saw this recently with a Washington Post reporter who was sexually assaulted. And she has talked very openly about her sexual assault and has been an advocate to get help uh, for women who have been sexually assaulted. And she, the Washington Post told her that she couldn't cover any stories about like uh, violence to women because she was too much of an advocate. And you know, this, it's outrageous, Um, you know, that, you know, this was traumatizing to her to put her through this Hmm. again, um, that for some reason, because she had been sexually assaulted and thought women should get justice, she was biased. And her, the newsroom rallied to support her. And Hmm. after, um, you know, folks wrote about it, there was an outcry on social media, the post backed down. But, you know, that's the sort of thing where we see a lot of these more traditional newsrooms being, you know, not you know, just assuming that like yeah. women and people of color have biases. Well, should we get this on gay front, right? Should gay people be covering gay rights stories? Should Asian American reporters cover Asian hate crimes? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very weird, but that's sort of the, you're right. That is a slippery slope you get into is the problem. But, uh, but no, it's just a uh, Ted Koppel had said, because uh, you know, you got to go. Ted Koppel had said once, I, I challenge anybody in the room, very famous reporter for you, those of you who don't know, had said, I challenge anybody in this audience to, to correctly guess with evidence who I voted for. And I, and I always sort of respected that, but it always did kind of make me feel like, well, all that means is you haven't let it slip out. But your point was really good, which is look at my coverage. Like Fox News, you look at Fox News's coverage and you can see the bias. It's not like, gosh, if we only knew which way Fox News was blowing in the wind, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, any last uh, issue? Senator, you've got to run. Any last sort of issue or anything you're working on right now that you just wanted to tell people about? Uh, I don't think so. I'll just say, you know, John, I, I'm, I'm, I have an orchid. I've kept it alive ooh, for a few ooh, months, nice. and I thought, of, I thought ooh. about you because I remember that you yes. always grew such beautiful orchids. And so, um, if mine dies, I might, I might need tips from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, John's, uh, next, that's John's next career. Orchid that'll be our next. Consultant. That'll be our next podcast. The Orchid Cast, Cliff. <laughs> I, mean, I can do it. I'm sure you'd love it. <laughs> yeah, I'd have a lot to say. I'd be like this: flowers, pretty orchids. Well, be orchids and baseball. Orchids and baseball. That'll hit both audiences. Yeah, exactly. I'll talk to baseball. You talk to your kids. We'll take care of everybody. Oh, God. Amanda, thank you so much. People can find you on Twitter, A Turkle, T E R K E L, um, yep. and, or at Huffington Post, obviously. Amanda Turkle. Yeah. Amanda's great. Everybody follow her. And, and I hope to see you back in DC sometime soon, Amanda. It's been too long. Yes. It's been great talking with you guys. Thank right. you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Amanda. Lovely talking take to care. you. Bye. 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 You've been listening to a free excerpt of the Unprecedented Podcast. To hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media, please go to patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast and become a subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode.